0: then something must be wrong with me. I must be a bad person because I keep feeling that urge, right? I keep feeling drawn in that way. So something must be wrong with me.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Dear Men and my favorite co-host, Jason Lang. Just going to call you a co-host because you're on so much. Um, Today we are talking about something that I've noticed in a number of our clients and really struck me the other day. One of our clients was talking about this fear of being creepy. The fear of coming across as creepy, the fear of being perceived as creepy, the fear of being creepy. and it is a level of, I think for this man in particular, but I think for a lot of men that I know, it's not just a, a concern, it's like a terror. Like I'm I'm deeply afraid. I'm I'm terrified of coming across as creepy. And it caught my attention because it feels like there are several layers to this conversation, and there are sort of several layers to that fear, there's the, the service fear, and then there's a deeper fear. And I want to get into that to help if there are men listening that, that have this fear. And part of the reason that it feels really important in the context of sex and relationships is that for a lot of men, it seems like this fear of being seen as creepy is blocking them from doing anything related to the feminine. They're not, they don't want to approach. They're scared to, there's just a lot of fear. There's a lot of they're scared to do anything, right? Expressing interest, um being be, you know, I don't really like the word escalating, but sort of like moving things forward on a date, right? Like putting his hand on her back or like leaning in to kiss her, like any movement, even just approaching a woman, smiling at a woman, being, you know, feeling his attraction with a woman, all of that is stopped. It's like a blocker, like this huge blocker of that fear that's keeping a man sort of encased and trapped in his own, I don't know, soup (laughs) of, soup of whatever. So, yeah. So I want to talk about this and, um, and I'm just wondering for you, you know, where do you think that fear comes from for men? You know, there's a couple of different places, but what could you take us through where you think it comes from?
0: Yeah. There There's definitely a few threads I think we can dive into here. Um one of which, you know, the 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 thing I'll just name first is that cage or that soup or whatever we want to call it, what you just spoke, right? I the one of the struggles with it, I think, is it's um it can create a lack of authenticity, right? Because authentically my body is experiencing something or an interest or or something, but right, there's like a freeze and I'm not being authentic to what's true to me and i think that can be painful for a lot of us men and can create a lot of aftershocks and unattended consequences right when we're not in alignment with that and so you know what leads up to that um i think are a couple different things you know the 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 probably broader end of the spectrum that we might talk about first is the different ways that um we learn to not be comfortable with our sexual desire as men or shamed for it and you know there's no just one source of that so that could be culturally you know in general as we've talked about before right now there's a different cultural field now post me too there's a lot more awareness of uh Sexual dynamics and energy and what obvious harm that can cause, particularly in power structures um, that we've seen. So uh, there's a lot of men, I think, who who feel that like, oh, wow, there's awareness on this in ways um, that um, I don't want to be a part of, right? I don't want to be that guy. I, I don't want to be a me too guy. So there, there's that kind of most recently. And I think farther back that, you know, many of our clients have struggled with are conditioning from our families about, you know, what's okay sexually to talk about, or just no talk at all for a lot of us, right? It's just not something present in the house, not something discussed. Uh, Maybe at, you know, at most we got sex education in sixth and seventh and eighth grade, you know, a teacher pointing at diagrams in a book, and then it's just otherwise it's just not talked about. Um, So there's that family piece. And then I would say religion, Uh, you know, depending on people's religious backgrounds and no matter what religion you are, there's healthy expressions of sexuality in it and unhealthy, you know, any sector denomination, but that definitely, right. There is a a kind of longstanding uh, tradition of a lot of religion just kind of sweeping that under the rug, not making it okay, you know, sex is only for procreation, which creates an energy in our body, right? Like, oh, thinking these thoughts or having these impulses in itself is is bad. And I think at early ages we can internalize that.
1: Yeah, I I want to speak to this because one of my very, very first clients had a Catholic background and it took a long time to help him reclaim his sexuality. And what I found so toxic about that particular brand of, of religion around sexuality was it's a sin to even think about it. Mm -hmm. It's a sin to even think about it. Like there was something that just felt so constricting about a set of beliefs that says you're bad if you're even thinking about it, because it's like, okay, there's our actions in the world, right? (laughs) Like, it's almost like you're bad if you even think of being angry. It's like being angry. There's nothing wrong with being angry. And as you and I have discussed mm. with many of our clients, it's about what you do with that energy. Lashing out at people is not okay. But finding a way to move that energy, so punching a punching bag is great. So the actual feeling of energy, of anger, is not bad per se. The expression of it in, in many ways in our culture is toxic. And that yeah. I think, so there's this fusion of like anger is bad. And I, I just, I don't ascribe to that. And it's a bit like that with the religion thing of sexual thoughts are evil, or there's this thing around, it's a sin. It's a sin to think about sex or want sex. And it's not said that way, right? It's more like, well, sex is fine. And within the context of marriage, but the feeling around it is I'm, I'm a shithead. If I want sex, right? Like I'm bad, I'm, I'm, I'm a sinner. There's this distinction between, as we've talked about before, toxic shame And quote unquote, regular shame. Like, you know, for example, I, you know, treated my friend like shit just then. I snapped because I was hungry and tired and I I wasn't very kind. I'm ashamed of myself. Like I'm feeling shame over this thing that I did. That's regular shame. Toxic shame is I'm bad. Who I am is bad. And it's not usually conscious, but that's really what it feels like here at the root of this particular issue of the fear of being creepy is, the fear that I'm bad, that my natural impulses and urges are bad. And there's like such a fear of being caught out in that of like, oh my God, someone's going to see that I'm, I'm going to see this bad core or something at the mm. core of the apple. And there's just, just terror of like the worst part of me is going to be seen and, and seen as less than or evaluated and like tossed aside or, or shamed and like just ostracized. Right. Cause to me, when I, I'm like the fear of being creepy when I feel into that, I imagine being a man or or a woman, but especially when I imagine being a man, I feel so alone. I feel so alone, just like oh, I'm terrible, like I'm toxic, like I'm I'm going to be cast out of the tribe. I'm just alone, completely alone, and mm-hmm. so bad, and that is terrifying. If I if I really, if I thought that bringing my sexuality forth or asking a woman out or moving towards that in any way, that was going to be the result. I don't think I would do anything. I think I would be completely frozen. And that was another thing that you said early on in this that I wanted to come back to was what I witness in a lot of our clients is that the result of this fear is the freeze response. It's freeze. It's mm-hmm. not fight or flight. It's, it's like deer in the headlights. It's a frozen, like a man might see an attractive woman across the bar. And then there's a freeze state. It's almost yeah. fused for a lot of our guys that needs to be, you know, we help them slow down and, and, and tease it apart so that there can be different steps. But what I've seen and what I've, my understanding from our clients is there's this immediate freeze response. And then wondering if you experienced that as a man, before you started doing your work and what, if you could speak to what that is actually like.
0: Yeah, for me, um, how that showed up was, you know, as someone who did not have much of a relationship to my sexuality, because I didn't have sex other than masturbating with myself till much later um, in my 20s, right? The energy itself was kind of uncomfortable in that, right? my My primary experience of that was with porn, which is one way. There's no, there's there's no one looking back, right? There's no relational field there, and being out in the world, <laughs> and as I started to interact with women and noticing, like when I'd get attracted, and like it, it's almost like a, um, it's almost like a reverse tractor beam. I can't even it's, right. It's almost like like if the magnets are uh, opposites or the same, sorry, in that like, you know, I'd want to look, but there'd be this like compulsion, not like, so it'd be like, like I'd be kind of something would be pushing me from looking. And I think that was an uncomfortableness with being witnessed in my own body and feeling that energy and have it actually being shared in a relational space. Um, for me, that was just more, I hadn't been witnessed in that. And that, you know, for others, I think actually comes from having been judged in that space. I was lucky compared to some men in that, I never got particularly judged for that or, you know, called out on that or anything like that. Um, But yeah, it's like a a fundamental, just like discomfort in the body and a a conflict, right? It's inner conflict because there's the like, look away, (laughs) but then my body's like, I really want to look right. I'm drawn. Like my energy is drawn here. And that's that authenticity thing. I think I was talking about in the beginning that, I think contributes to a lot of what we were talking about of this, like, I'm no good or something's wrong with me because we're given, you know, particularly through religion or some family stuff early on that that's not, you know, you shouldn't do that. Shouldn't a moral person wouldn't do that. And then yet I keep doing it. My body keeps reacting. Right. So internally, I can see how it's easy for us to make up the story. Well, then something must be wrong with me. I must be a bad person because I keep feeling that urge, right? I keep feeling drawn in that way. So something must be wrong with me. Um, so the the there's the the shame side of it. I think there. And and then for me, there was literally just the not having held that energy in my body in a relational space. In itself, was kind of overwhelming and uncomfortable for me.
1: Yeah, I. Appreciate that last part, especially just the the actual physical discomfort of it, like when I think about this, it sounds really exhausting. The the battle between I want to look, but I don't want to be an asshole, and and the turmoil of my body's trying to look, but I feel like that would be bad. I just it sounds like a lot of work. And and yeah. that's something that I've noticed too in uh in men that I've witnessed kind of reclaim their sexuality from from religion is that it's like there's this relaxation that happens in their body as they're reclaiming their humanity and i really want to advocate for this that healthy sexuality is a part of your humanity it's a basic fundamental human right for you to be able to feel sexual and that that's a sacred part of you that is a human right to me so when i witnessed men that are reclaiming this and it's like it's almost like I can see like they're shaking something off and their mm-hmm. shoulders become different. You know, I can feel their hips more, their feet on the ground. It's like, they, yeah, they reclaim a part of their humanity because it takes so much bandwidth and so much energy to repress this part of yourself. It's just so, ex- I mean, it's just so exhausting. It's, yeah. it's, it's something that I've seen repeatedly that it's like, I can see a man get bigger almost like his spirit, it gets bigger as he reclaims this part of himself. And um, and that's kind of what I wanna sort of point us towards is what what does a man do about this? What what can he do to reclaim his sexuality and to essentially help himself overcome that fear of being seen as creepy?
0: Yeah, I, I think. You know, I can certainly share some of my experiences, and then we can talk a little bit about how we we work with our men. Um, but I think what you just clued in there, into there of like what we witness in guys' bodies and what you witness even outside of the program, right, is more ease to, to some extent because that that experience I talked about of like part of me wants to look, but then I have this inner critic or shame or, or religious background or something in me or even just my own limitation of self worth. Like, I'm not good enough for her. I can't look. I can't let, right? Like, that in itself can be another thing that would prevent us from looking. Uh, that's conflicting energy, right? So it's like, it's tension in, it's tension that's not moving, right? It's one fist pushing into each other. And there's just a standstill. I it's think stuck. that can be. Yeah. It's yeah. Stuck. It's stuck. It's what can cause that kind of freeze response. But it's not like a freeze in that there's no motion. It's like a freeze between, I want to look, but I can't look or I shouldn't look because X. Right. Um, And what we see on the other side is that tension gets released. So there's more space, there's more breath, there's more taking up of space. There's more connection possible um, between uh, the man and himself and the man in the world, the man and whoever he's engaging with. And, you know, two milestones for me in in my journey uh, were, um, I think right? In themselves, they're not necessarily better or worse. Like we'll talk about, I think, what the healthiest versions of this type of stuff would be, but I think they have some important developmental components in them. And for me, uh, on the one hand, it was the first time I ever went to Europe and was like in Italy. And the first thing I noticed actually was how the men looked at the women, like how men looked at women there. Like they looked at women, right? Like coming down the street and top to <laughs> I bottom.
1: I wish you guys could see Jason yeah. doing the scan. Cause it's pretty funny.
0: Like a full, full scan. Right. And then, and they wouldn't hide it. <laughs> like she knew they were looking and like, there was even some energy in that sometimes, or, you know, there'd be like cars driving by and the, they would literally slow down their car to take in a woman. Um, and I was like, Whoa, is that different? I was, again, not necessarily better or worse. I was just like, wow, that is very different. And that is not a capacity I had in my nervous system at the time to like, just allow myself to enjoy to that extent. And that was one of the first times I really kind of noticed that because I was shown something else, I guess you could say it was like, oh, there's, there's some of this is just my personal nervous system. Some of this is my cultural conditioning because here I am somewhere else. And I see men experiencing women very differently. And, you know, again, like anything, some of those guys are going to be creeps. Some of those guys are not going to be creeps, but it was still another possibility, right. That I got to actually practice a little bit over there of like, Hey, it's a little bit more in the cultural field here. It's kind of okay to just like check a woman out and enjoy her that was a huge edge for me in that experience and in being overseas.
1: I would I would agree as a woman as well. I when I first went abroad, one of the countries I went to was Costa Rica, and I remember being like, "Whoa, this is different. This is really different." And I felt m- much more seen. I felt much more seen and more desired, and it was totally new. Like I did not experience that in the states. And for me, I, I didn't feel unsafe. It wasn't, it, the, the feeling of it wasn't, I'm, I'm less safe here. It was, whoa, I'm more seen here. Like men, mm. I didn't know men were interested in me. Like, I feel like I went through a lot of my college years being like, well, I guess I'm not attractive <laughs> because I wasn't really approached and I wasn't really pursued. And um, I think that there is something I do. I'm just going to claim this. I think there's something toxic about American culture and sexuality. I think we're fucking weird around sexuality because we've got it all over the place on TV and everything. But then we do shame the shit out of it in every everywhere else. Like it's not don't have a healthy relationship with it. And we and so it's not really that surprising that many people struggle having a healthy relationship, sexuality in the U.S., I can't speak for other English speaking countries because I've never lived there, but having been to many countries around the world and then back to the US, I don't think that we have a particularly healthy version of it here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think we can there there's a way that there's a mirror between how that plays out culturally and personally that I think we'll talk about um next that, that that's very important. Um but so There was the experience of going abroad and then there was the experience, you know, I I think I was probably in my early twenties. It was the first time I went to Vegas and I went to a strip club. Um, And that was a really intense experience for me initially, right. To be able to go into a space and to actually just be able to look right. Like literally that's why people are there. And even with that container, you know, my body still (laughs) felt a little tension, right? And being there and, uh, you know, I haven't been to a ton of strip clubs, but I've, I've been to a few and noticing as I grew in my journey, the, um, allowing myself to enjoy the experience, right? Just, just, just that, like just allowing myself. Okay. It's okay to look. She knows I'm looking. It's okay to be looking. And again, I think what that did is it stretched something in my nervous system to kind of like, oh, that's okay. The energy in itself is not good or bad, right? The energy in itself is just a natural experience for uh, men in particular. We are visually oriented, right? Um, A lot of times. And that's just kind of part of our nervous systems that we have to take responsibility for. You know, that's other stuff we'll talk about. Um, But that is natural in itself. And for me, just having the experience of being like, it's okay to look and enjoying, enjoying looking was actually a very empowering masculine experience for me. It's like, oh, I can enjoy looking,
1: Mm -hmm. enjoy
0: her body, enjoy her feminine radiance, enjoy uh, that whole experience. And those were two two, you know, two moments that are are similar in some ways that started to stretch that open and give me more capacity for then how to integrate that into actual life.
1: Yeah. I remember again, this was early on in my coaching career. I, I took three of my clients to a strip club. This was when I lived on the East coast and it was really great, actually, because we we met up beforehand and like sort of like next door and we talked about like intentions and it was fun, though. It was fun. It was like it was a group, you know, it, it, it was like, what are you looking to get out of this? Like, what's your experience? Have you ever been to a strip club? What's your you know, it sort of bonded the group. And then we mm-hmm. went and I don't think we were there for more than an hour, but it was such an edge. For these guys, it was such an edge to be seen in, in being in, in looking. exactly what you said. It's God. being seen in looking like I am looking, people are seeing me look and it's okay. They are not yelling at me, screaming at me, shaming me, telling me I'm a sinner, like I'm having an experience of looking and it's kind of okay I'm still alive because I do think there is an existential, as I said, a root fear of I might die. Like I might get ostracized and be shamed forever that I don't think is conscious, but I do think exists around toxic shame. And I think especially going with, with a woman, with me, with a sex positive woman who is holding that with them of, I see you in this and it's okay. I see you in this and this is sacred. I'm glad you're here. Like you're safe. Like I see you here and it's okay. I think was really healing. And then we, and then we left and we went back and got another drink at the same place and kind of debriefed. And it was cool. It was cool to just hear some of the reflections and, and the, you know, (laughs) yeah, the edge around the whole thing, but it felt kind of to your point, it, it felt um, felt like, Oh, this can be enjoyable. This can be Mm -hmm. fun. It doesn't have to be all wrapped up in shame or hiding or fear like oh wow it can be fun <laughs> to go and enjoy this and be you know in in the energy and spirit and vibration of the feminine expressing herself and um just to name i think there are a lot of a lot of problematic elements of places like strip clubs i think they should be totally. owned by the women who work there i think that it's exploitative as an industry but that's not what we're talking about where we're talking about is The experience of being with the feminine, feeling your desire and being okay with that and feeling like Mm -hmm. I'm safe here and this is an accepted and loved part of me. And it's interesting because as we're having this discussion, I'm noticing I'm remembering the kinds of women that that are attracted to, or I guess I I don't know if I'd say attracted to, but what I've noticed is that there's a lot, there's a there's a shame match. That happens Mm -hmm. that I see repeatedly of uh, men that have you know deep shame around sexuality frequently partner with shaming women so women that will shame them about their sexuality so there's this negative spiral (laughs) that happens where the man is coming into the relationship already holding some shame around this and then she is actively shaming him. So it, it sort of affirming what he thinks, which is I'm a piece of shit. I am a sinner or whatever his story is around it. It's like this dance that they're doing together. And one thing I've noticed is as, as men that I've worked with that we've worked with grow and expand their nervous systems. And as, as the work happens, as they, reclaim parts of themselves that have been denigrated they naturally attract different kinds of partners so it's it's not like it has to be it doesn't feel like difficult if that makes sense it's not like oh no I'm gonna have to you know I'm gonna attract the same kind of partner and then have to establish really intense boundaries because she's gonna shame me again like no what I've seen is that that man naturally starts to attract a different kind of woman so it just feels easier and it it a lot of times starts with him on this journey that we're talking about.
0: Totally. I think this is, this is something you and I talk to a lot of our guys about um, that. I'm more and more convinced about of another type of polarity, right? So we talk a lot about polarity in terms of how masculine and feminine attract each other, but there's a, there's a simpler level of that in that we attract our reciprocal, right? So if we're holding shame around our sexuality, we're going to tend to magnetize partners who have some kind of shameful relationship around sexuality, either they're not comfortable in their own body and their own sexuality, or they're not comfortable in it in others. Right. And so there is a way it like keeps that pattern patterning (laughs) happening over and over versus as we start to reclaim that and be more okay with that, that it's like, no, actually it's okay. This is a healthy part of being a human being and something to be celebrated when in loving containers and there's consent and there's your agreement and all the things that, you know, we champion for and pro-sex that um, then magnetizes partners who also are in that space. Right. And that it is an incredibly important thing for, for us to do. Like there, there is some work we can do individually there on Reclaiming our sexuality, and for a lot of the guys we work with, you know that sexuality is often right. Just in terms of where it's rooted in the body, deeply connected to our power as men, like the feeling that I am a powerful man who has presence and impact in the world. Um, if part of us isn't comfortable with our own sexuality, we're not comfortable with our own power, and oftentimes, and that has a polarity to it in terms of who we attract. Right. So we tend to attract partners who don't like sex maybe, or don't want to have sex because we don't have a lot of, we're not comfortable showing that sexual energy. So someone meets us and they're like, oh, great. This guy doesn't have a lot of sexual energy. This is what I want. Right. And then boom. But then that's not our authentic Nature, So it starts to come out sideways or we get frustrated or upset and it can cause a lot, a lot of pain, particularly in, you know, men we've worked with that were married for many years, which can be a really, really hard, hard, sustained uh, stress and trauma when, you know, the person we've committed to having all of our sexual needs met with, we're not getting them met with.
1: Yeah, I think that comes right back to the cage that we talked about at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Then it's like, oh, now it's another kind of cage, which is I've committed to monogamy with this person. And like you said, I'm not getting my sexual needs met. And there's sort of a desperation of like, well, what do I do? What do I do then? I either, my choices are suffer, cheat, or address it with my partner directly, which I feel like, is a difficult option. And I think a lot of our men have not had good experiences there. And I think that there's, uh, I think it's really hard to address directly if you're not ready to actually set a boundary, if you're not on the same page. And, and essentially, the addressing it directly is I need us to grow here. I need to grow here. Mm-hmm. need to grow here. And we need to grow here. I need this to happen and i think a lot of a lot of it is well i committed to this marriage so i don't really have an option there's no there's no way out right there's no um i need us to grow here or i'm going to leave right yeah. and i think that you know ultimatums are problematic but i do think that in a relationship what i've seen repeatedly is if one person is committed to growing and the other isn't it doesn't work it just doesn't work and if you are if you are in a position like that and your growth is inhibited i think there's a almost like a spiritual choice there of am i going to stay in a place where i am being stifled or am i going to mm-hmm. choose to leave for my own health and that's really a you know a pretty intense boundary because it has to do with your own sense of self and your own personhood and am i willing to prioritize myself am i willing to quote unquote sacrifice you know, what my family thinks I should do or what my friends see me as, or the life that I've built up or the, you know, my idea of being a husband or a father or a family unit, what, you know, that idea, that concept, it's like, it's a really big deal, right? Divorce, separation, it's a really big deal because it's not just the relationship. It's also your identity around relationship itself or um, marriage. And then to, to what we discussed earlier, then you put religion on top of it. And it's like, oh, I'm a bad person, or I'm a bad Christian, or I did something wrong because I want a divorce, or I I, I can't make this marriage work, quote unquote, make this marriage work. So yeah, um, it's complicated. And it feels like, of it's almost like that man may have already been in a cage of his own, you know, not, not really being in right relationship with sexuality. And then that cage expands
0: <laughs> <laughs> Totally,
1: <laughs> this other person. And now I'm in a marriage cage. So it's like, um, yeah, it feels, uh, the encouraging part is, you know, we've seen multiple men go through the divorce process. Cause we have a lot of men in our program that are either married, recently divorced, separated, or considering getting a divorce. And what I've seen is a lot of growth. There's a lot of growth to be had and possibility on the other side of, of divorce or separation or, you know, that process of decoupling. I, I think it can be really scary. And what I've seen is, Oh, just a ton of freedom and a lot yeah. of possibility and just like breathing, being able to breathe again and feel like I can, I can have the kind of relationship I want And I can be single for a while. I can just be with myself. You know, I'm thinking of one of our clients where it was just, it was such a relief for him, Mm -hmm. such a relief. And it was like, yeah, celebrate your life right now. Celebrate just being able to be you and not have to feel sort of inhibited or repressed or some version of not appreciated and not seen. And yeah, so- Out of alignment. Out of alignment. Yeah. I, I, I liked what you said about authenticity and actually bringing all of oneself. And I think that's what I've seen in these marriages and the men that I've seen in these is they weren't able to bring all of themselves. So they totally. were constantly cutting off pieces of themselves or like, I've got to hide that I've got it. And back to the bandwidth thing that takes a lot of energy to trim yeah. to trim out parts of ourselves all the time and be like, well this isn't acceptable, this isn't acceptable and it it's almost like the frog in boiling water where you might not notice over time that this part of me has been cut off and this part of me has been cut off and that topic is off the table and this topic is off the table and and now you're just really small. You know, you're mm-hmm. just really small and really um not resourced, right? So it's hard to actually see what's next and I think that's been something that's been a joy to witness in some of our men is watching them sort of explain, expand and bloom and realize like they're they're claiming their freedom and their you know community is witnessing them do that
0: yeah it's 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 like a deep reclaiming of self-honoring you know it's just like ah okay this part of me is okay and it's natural and i value it and i don't have to shun it or hide it Or make it wrong anymore. And something happens, right, in our nervous system when we're not at war with ourselves. Like you said, you can see the ease, the shoulders, the the height, the breath, the the face. There's just like a, ah, okay, I'm here. I I can just be here. And whatever arises, I don't have to be at war with, right? I can be okay with my experience. And not only that, like I can celebrate it, right? The right partner, Uh, guys, you know, not all guys believe this, but the right partner out there wants that part of you, wants yeah. to feel your desire, wants to know that she or he turns you on, right? Like they they want to know that's in your nervous system. And um, it's a beautiful thing when, when that energetic exchange happens and we realize, yeah. oh, actually, this isn't something to be ashamed of, but this is an incredible part of me that... So I like to say is actually one of the gifts I can offer my partner, right? My desire for her, for him. And that, that sharing of that exchange, you know, creates an energetic exchange that makes us both more full Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: connected Um, that, yeah, we, we love to support men in making that transformation.
1: Yeah. So as we start to wrap up here, um, I'm just wondering if there's any, any other tips that, that you have, just the tip. Um, because you know, some people aren't going to be able to go abroad or but, yeah. well, maybe And a strip club, a strip club. Also, I think it's worth noting can be complicated and, uh, you know, it can be a nourishing experience. It can also be a draining experience. I know a number of, of men I've worked with have said that does not work for me. I don't, I don't totally, there. it's not the right environment. So that's, we're not offering that as like a, this works for everyone. Jason was just offering, this was a part of my path. Um, But are there any other tips that you have for a guy if he's listening and, and he's like, yeah, I've got this, I've got this fear. And it does inhibit me. It does prevent me from.
0: Yeah. The, the piece I'll speak to that, you know, might be useful and you may even be able to share a story here is like, so what is creepy? Like what's the truth behind the fear that has caused this energy in our culture in interaction. And I think there's a, There's a way that plays out personally and culturally in that, right, when something is disowned or not owned or we're not comfortable with it, um, right, it's not circulated, it's not engaged with in an authentic way, uh, it tends to come out sideways, right? So culturally, like what what you said, right, like um, sex is everywhere in the U.S., right? Like little... uh, Disney ads for teen girls are dressed up like they're 30. We see all these car commercials. It's just, it's everywhere. Um, Porn usage is something like a fourth of internet traffic. And then every year, the last couple of years, the stats have come out, particularly here in the U.S., less people are having actual sex every year, right? So there's this huge disconnect between um what's actually happening and what's being shown to us. And part of what I would say is culturally right there because there is this shadow around it of it's bad. You know, we were kind of a puritanical culture here in the States. That's how we were founded that lingers in a lot of ways. So because we can't just say like, Hey, sex is awesome. And some, one of the most magical parts of the human experience that we want to embrace and create safety and structure around um, it comes out sideways. Right comes out sideways in the culture, and so that same thing, I think, is what happens in an individual. Happens for us that can lead to creepiness, mm. right? So if I am at war at myself, and I'm not comfortable with the part of me that looks or that can enjoy or it can take a woman in, so I'm actually at conflict with myself, right? And there's the uh, two ways this tends to show up: the, the shifty eyes, like taking a peek, taking a peek taking a peek, but not making eye contact. Or as soon as she looks, I look away. Th- there's something that doesn't resonate as trustable in that. Right. Cause I'm not trusting myself. Yeah. So it'd be, I could see it be very clear for a feminine partner to like, Ooh, what's going on? Is this guy yeah. checking me out? Or why is he not? Ch- is he here with somebody else? Like what's, co-? you know, I, I can just imagine a lot of the things that go through or there's um the other masculine piece of I so lose touch with the present moment, it becomes unconscious. Mm. So I am just the impulse, which usually leads to uh, no breath. And, you know, the, I'm trying to think of uh, it was maybe Warner Brothers, but it's was, it was one of those old cartoons, right? They They'd be like the wolf. And he, like a woman would go by and his eyes would just go big and his draw, jaw would drop and drool would come out and he'd just freeze. I think that's the other side of it that can come through mm. in that we get so lost in just the ob- object of the moment, right? Literally, it's just something I'm seeing, the sensation that our whole body gets disconnected. And that's usually often when we're s- like that term objectification. Like, that's kind of what they mean. It's like, there's no circulation of the energy and it's just, you know, this is something I, I, I had to work through in my own ways now that I, I'm remembering it of like, it's just body parts. I'm seeing her body parts, not her. And women, I think, can feel that. Men can feel that too, right? When someone's just like, ooh, just seeing us for our parts. And I think when there's that, there's either that kind of, shifty back and forth, or that just totally lost in that. I'm not even aware that I'm totally just like locked onto someone. Right. And if I'm not aware of it, how could he or she trust me in that moment? Right. Like, what, what is this? Right, it's just a, that's an untrustable experience, I would say, at the deeper level of what we talk about, and there's usually very little breath there, and that's what tends to kind of come across as creepy in that more individual sense. Um, that our work as men is to yes reclaim, but reclaim it with breath, reclaim it with awareness, reclaim it with the full human experience right yeah. head heart and the sensation of the body that, yeah. right this is a this is a human being who probably would love to know she's making someone's day and has maybe had guys catcalling her every day on the way to work when she didn't want it for years right so she may have her own thing around that that uh, as you just feel into the whole person i think changes the nature of that connection Right. I think there's yeah. also a lot more eye contact as well.
1: That, that, my experience is, uh, so I think I've shared this before, but I, what I remember is it was like 4 p.m. I was at a library and this guy at the table across the way was staring at me for a while. And I'm, I'm reading my book. I'm trying to focus and I can, I can feel it and I don't know what to do. Basically. So I think he was the second thing that you mentioned mm-hmm. just confused with the moment and just, you know, glazed over eyes. You sort of like this doesn't feel safe to me. It doesn't feel safe. And what I did was I said to him, you know, you're staring at me and because I didn't know what to do. And the reason I said it was 4 p.m. is because I had walked to the library and knew I had to walk home and it was starting to get to be dusk. And so in my world, I don't know him. I don't know anything about him. And the focus, the focus of attention, and he wasn't really breathing. And there wasn't any real attunement to me as a person, right? It yeah. wasn't like, you know, when people are flirting, and and it's like, he's looking at me, and then he kind of smiles, and he looks down, or, you know, there's, there's a sense of like, I can tell usual
0: recognition.
1: Yeah. I can tell that you, Oh, you caught me. I'm looking at you, but like, I'm comfortable with that. Like I'm breathing. I, I think it's kind of funny. It's like, that wasn't there. And mm-hmm. so because that wasn't there, I, now I'm thinking, am I going to be safe walking home? You know, do I need to tell someone like all of these fear thoughts are now going through my head, which is, I think a common experience for a lot of women. You know, there's a quote that goes, men are afraid women will laugh at them. Women are afraid men will kill them. Mm-hmm. And i that's how I felt. Cause in that moment I was like, am I going to be okay on this walk home? Like, are you, are you thinking of raping me? Like, I can't tell where you are in the range of this thing. And that was scary. And as soon as I said, you know, you're staring at me, he stopped. Um, but it was like, I think he went into a shame response. There wasn't there wasn't like a like, oh sorry, like you're right. I thought you, I thought you were pretty, you know, like a an attunement to we're two human beings interacting. It was, it was like there was a separation. It felt it felt kind of separate. So um to me, yeah, the difference between creepy and not creepy, it is a lot energetic. It's not, you know, do this, don't do this, you know, like behavior that, you know, might seem Exciting if a man is breathing, grounded in his body, appreciating me. The same, the same quote unquote thing, right? He's looking at me across the club. The same thing will feel trustable in one man who's breathing and with himself and has done the work versus creepy, which is like he's kind of, it feels like he's kind of leaning in. And I'm like, are you going to stop if I say no? Because that's the line for me is like, that's what feels mm-hmm. creepy. Is, I don't know if you would say no, or sorry, if you would listen to my no, and that is creepy. If I know you're going to listen to my no, then it's kind of like, I feel appreciated. or I feel it's exciting. It's exciting. It's not creepy.
0: I, I think that's a spot on assessment of like, right. In that, in that instance, it's like not even aware. I have awareness on someone, right? It's like this double disconnect versus like i'm aware i'm putting my attention on you and i'm noticing the impact right if i see your body tighten up it, like i'm probably going to right i'm going to relax my gaze and look away cuz i don't want you to feel in danger but if i'm not even aware i'm looking at you how could you trust that like i said um, on the one hand so there's just the kind of total disconnect and then there's also i think the the you know i think there can be a version of the more predatory um like actual me too version of this, which is like, well, it's my right or something like I I, right. And I, I was telling you, I can think of some imagery of like clubs I've been to in big cities where there's literally these kind of guys on the perimeter, like stone faced, just like locked onto women. Like it's, it's quite hard to describe, but it's like, I'm going to look at you until you notice me because I deserve you. Right. Like, like it's, it's like, you have to, I I can't even quite put my finger on it, but it's, it's a, it's a dangerous energy, right. Uh, Where there, in some sense, I'm aware I'm putting it on you, but I'm not aware of the impact or the human on the other side.
1: Uh, And And I'm going to be pissed at you if you don't, if you don't, like if I buy you a drink, I deserve your attention. I'm entitled. I'm now entitled to your attention. If I've put attention on you for a while, you should give me your number if you agree totally. with me, you should have sex with me. There's like a, like these unspoken rules of like socializing. <laughs> and, yes, and that's, that's it. That's totally that it. Feels like, okay, now I've bought you or, or, yeah. and it doesn't have to do with money, but it, it's, it's like, I feel a pressure to, to do something sexual because of something else. It doesn't feel mm-hmm. like a choice exactly. It's like, well, I deserve this.
0: Yeah. There's need attached. Mm-hmm. Right. There's there's need. I'm not just enjoying you for the sake of enjoying you. There's an expectation that the second you notice me checking you out, that has to lead to something,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which I think is is is, the, is another dangerous version of kind of what we're talking about there And that. Um, so, you know, some of our guys, because, you know, again, because this is so in a lot of ways repressed in our culture and we don't have healthy uh, models of how to do this or places to experience this it can come out sideways and a number of clients we've worked with have actually been called out or shamed. Like, Whoa, are you going to keep looking at her or, you know, and that can be extraordinarily traumatizing. Right. Especially if we already had some kind of back uh, baggage from our religion or family or just early experiences that um, can be really intense for guys to work through. And one of the things, you know, we certainly, do try to work with our men around okay, you know, what is it you can do to make sure you're bringing the healthiest version of this energy out in the world? So it doesn't come off as creepy. And, you know, there's a lot of different techniques that that we work with guys around that uh, include breath and pacing and um, also just coming back into right relationship with, with that part of ourselves and knowing it's okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's been what I've seen as, really impactful is literally just sharing the story with Mm -hmm. our community with with us there's something that lets go of I told I told my story I told that story of when that girl looked at me and was like you're creeping out my friend just telling the story and being witnessed in the story and having a bunch of human beings hold you with love around that and see you as worthy. You are, you are a worthy man, even with that story, right? Even with this past or all of that other stuff, you are still a worthy individual and you deserve to be loved. So we're gonna start to wrap here. Um, if you are interested in our community, you can take our free training, which is at evolutionary.men slash men. Again, that's evolutionary.men slash dear men. And if you're interested in learning more or going deeper than just the podcast, I would encourage you to take that free training.